0: My name is Zainab, and I'm 12 years old. Hi, my name is Evelyn.
1: My name is Brian Hare. All right, what is your name?
2: Grayson. Hi, my name is Ashley, and I'm 37 years old. Hi, my name is Camilla. My name is Graham.
3: My
4: name is Izzy. Hi, my name is Noah, I'm eight years old. My name
3: is Jesse. I am Liam. Hi, my name is William. I'm 11 years old. Hi, my name is Tatum.
4: My name is Luna. Hi, my name is Lucy and I'm 10 years old. My name is Griffin. My name is Owen. Hi, my name is Lyle and I'm 7 years old. I am Lucas. My name is Sky. Hi, my name is Lucy and I'm 10 years old. Hi, my name is Wendy.
5: Hi, my name is Zoe. My name is Richie. Get down am a senior Hey, you're listening to The Rare Life. I'm your host, Madeline Cheney, and as some of you may have noticed, I sound a little different today because yes, I'm sick, but the show must go on. Today we have a very important episode all about the non-disabled siblings in our families. Just now you heard the voices of all of our sibling contributors for today's episode. I am so grateful for the insights they're providing us, and in return, hope that siblings who may be listening to this special episode, either in full or in part, feel held, validated, seen, and heard. I hope you know how much your parents think about you and care about your well-being. You are valued and you are loved. We know you go through so much right along with us, and we ache for the unfairness of it all. Some of you, parents and siblings alike, may have felt confused about the title of this episode. You may have wondered what the term glass children means. To quote good old Google, glass children are siblings of people with disabilities. The term refers to the tendency people have to see right through them and focus only on the person with the disability. Another reason the term glass is used is because they often appear stronger than they actually are, end quote. Now, this is not an insult. It is just a reminder to treat you with the love and care that you deserve. Now, speaking to parents, for younger or less mature kids, I recommend listening to the episode first and maybe just either way. Um, there may be certain sections that you want to listen to with your child, or you may decide that they can benefit from the whole thing. This episode isn't exclusively for children. We also made it with parents in mind, so it's not going to feel like podcasts that are made geared towards the tenant under crowd. Also, if you feel the desire to have your own little convo with your child and ask them the questions that each of these kids answered in the episode, those are listed in the show notes. And I'll also repeat them at the end of the episode so that they are fresh in your mind. My seven-year-old daughter, Wendy, is included in this episode, and in her answers, she said that in the early days, she felt, and I quote, a bit unwanted. And yes, it was excruciating to hear her say that, and I was a bit griefy for about a week after, but at the same time, it felt really, like, healthy to ask her those questions and to allow her to speak about her feelings in a really honest way. And for her to know that I'm a safe space for everything that she has to share with me. So, if you feel the emotional bandwidth, I recommend trying these questions out. And also, a huge thank you to the parents who helped their children record these. I'm sure some of their responses affected you similarly, and I feel grateful for your help in making this episode. And of course, a big thank you to each child who allowed their parents to send in their responses. As many of you know, this episode is releasing on Rare Disease Day. This is our first time in almost four years of the podcast to not release an episode in honor of Rare Disease Day that is ultra-focused on our children with rare conditions. We know that that child is already likely getting a lot of extra attention on this special day, so here is some extra love and limelight for the siblings, too. Also, as many of you already know, today is the very last day of our family and friends fundraiser. We thought it would be special to end with a bang on Rare Disease Day. If you have yet to invite your friends, family, colleagues, Facebook followers, etc. to donate to the Rare Life and help it continue, or if you have a few more people you've been meaning to reach out to, today is the day. We rely exclusively on donations and charitable giving in order to continue producing episodes and other helpful resources for this incredible community. And we are counting on you to help us gather the needed funds. We've received countless messages from listeners like you about the incredible impact that the podcast has had on them, which means so much. And supporting the rare life is just one way that your loved one can support you. As we've mentioned before, if each listener received just $25 in donations on their behalf towards the podcast, we would be funded for a whole year. Every little bit goes a long, long way. And to this point, we are up to 93% of our goal, which is very exciting. We just need 7% more, which is kind of Significant amount. So please, please, please join in even for this last day, these last few hours, and help us reach our goal. Not sure how to go about participating? No sweat. Head to the website, the backslash fundraiser. That's the backslash fundraiser. It has all the details you need to get going, including some really great examples from other members of the listener community who have already done it. And a huge thank you to everyone who's already participated and to those loved ones who have already donated, including the friends and family of Brittany Stites, who are collectively sponsoring this special episode. Haley, Susan, Amanda, Catherine, Jenna, Claire, and Charles. And I will say that one of these friends was a college roommate Brittany hadn't spoken to in forever. It is incredible to see people come out of the woodwork and show some major love in the form of a donation. You just never know who will show up. So again, please head to the rare backslash fundraiser for details on how to join the fun. Okay, a bit about my co-host of today's episode, and then we'll finally get to the actual episode. Megan Schneider has been a long time and very loyal listener and friend. And she also has a sister with disabilities, so she was the perfect person to join me. Her husband, Zach, was on a few weeks ago in the Dads episode. So this season is the season of the Schneider fam. (laughs) Megan and Zach live in Minnesota with their two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Emmy. Megan is a home health nurse caring for her daughter, and she is in nurse practitioner school as well, which is so cool. Megan is a lover of coffee and running. All right, let's hop to it. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited, too. I think it worked out so well when I was looking for, you're not a guest, but like a co-host of sorts. And it was just really great when I realized like, oh, my gosh, Megan, she can do it. Because, you know, we've been friends for a really long time. So, yes, I'm excited to do this episode with you. So just to start out, could you just give us like... A little background set the stage as far as your experience with your sister growing up and now.
6: Yeah. So hi, everyone. My name's Megan. I have a sister, Mallory. She is five years younger than me. She was born full term. And when she was born, my parents did not know that anything was going to be different about her or have any medical complexities whatsoever. So when she was born, it was a huge shock. She was born with a cleft lip and palate. So, visually, that was the first thing that was kind of eye opening for the practitioners and my parents. And so, after multiple tests and genetic testing and things like that, she was diagnosed with something called Velocardiofacial Syndrome, VCFS for short. So, it wasn't long after that that they got connected with a very good health system in Minnesota, the Mayo Clinic and pretty soon she had a tracheostomy, had surgery after surgery. I wouldn't say I was necessarily raised by my grandparents, but I definitely spent a huge portion of my early childhood when I started school with them just because my parents were gone all the time with her. She was admitted for very, very long periods of time. And so fast forward, now 23 years old, she's the reason I'm a nurse and I feel like she's really shaped me into who I am and made me a better person for sure. She's super tiny, but she's just kind of this little, just positive, happy little spitfire of our family. Everything we do is not necessarily centered around her, but we've really immersed our life as a family to include her in everything, no matter what it is, because her childhood was so different than my sister Maddie and mine, that now we just kind of like live every day to the fullest and try to really immerse her in everything that we do. A lot of the medical stuff has kind of resolved itself. Definitely has ongoing appointments and things, but a lot of it now has to do with the way that she's going to function in the world as an adult. And so I feel like my role kind of being five years older than her, and we live in the same city, but my role is to kind of, help her get through this transition stage of life and really just be her best friend when a lot of people her age are dating or living on their own, driving, et cetera. So she's very stable from a medical standpoint. And now we just kind of get to learn about the experiences and how we can best support her as an adult with a disability.
5: That's awesome. Your relationship with your sister is probably what every parent listening kind of hopes for their children to grow up that way I mean as we talked about before all the participants of today's episode except for one are I think 12 and younger and so we're definitely talking about a younger group and so I think it's really cool to picture like some of them growing up to be that close and have that close of a relationship which I know is not also guaranteed just like any sibling duo like you never know Whether there's disabilities involved or not, like how close they're going to be when they grow up. And so I think it's really cool to hear how close you guys are. And then, really quick, I just am curious too since you just have the one daughter right now, Emmy, with her medical complexities, how has your experience being a sibling affected your decision making as far as like if or when you're going to have more children, right? Like, so I think it could go either way if you're like, oh, I don't want to do that to other children, so we're just going to stop with the one. Or like, oh, definitely we want more children because it was so great for me. Like, where do you guys sit right now with that? Oh, it's so complex.
6: And even your episode about this and your multiple episodes about this. Oh, it's so tough. I think because Mallory was younger than me, it was a lot easier. And my parents had no idea that they weren't carriers of this. It just happened. So it wasn't like they had to make a decision like that. We don't know really like kind of officially what Emmy's diagnosis is. Her genetic screening has been pretty unremarkable, but based on her physical findings, they kind of have like loosely diagnosed her with Mobius syndrome, which they think is not genetic, but because they don't know, it really makes me nervous to have another one. I think it would be so, so wonderful to have a sibling. I think, especially as Mallory and I both get older and my husband and I have started having challenging conversations about kind of like what that's going to look like eventually for Mallory's life or even Emmy's life. And we don't need to go so far into it, but I would love to give Emmy a sibling. I just wish that it could be someone older. I think there's something. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I feel like I have just this like mama bear instinct and feeling and just a love for Mallory, my sister. Not to say that a younger sibling can't, but Mallory's kind of sandwiched in. So I'd be interested to hear what my brother has to say because he's the baby and he's the younger sibling. So I definitely think it would be incredible to give for a sibling. It's just the, you don't know what you don't know. So it's like if it was the other way around, I think it would be a lot less scary.
5: That is super interesting.
6: I think like giving it time
5: and just kind of mulling it over. You're right. I think it's complicated no matter like who you're talking to and there's our disabilities involved. It's just there's so many things to take into consideration. Okay. I am so excited to listen to these sweet submissions from these kids. So for this episode, we opened it up to the community's non-disabled children, right? So the siblings, and we gave them four questions. We asked the kids, what is the best part of having a disabled sibling? What is the hardest part? What do you want other siblings of disabled people to know? And what do you want parents like yours to know? When I was listening, I was like, I think it would be best to divide out just like little sections of what they said and put them in various like categories. So the first category we're going to hear is about, you know, watching them suffer, watching the disabled or medically complex child have a hard time, which I think is, Something that pretty much every sibling experiences.
1: And what's the hardest part of having a sister like Juniper? When go
0: places,
5: people
4: stare at her. i you seen her have seizures.
6: Yeah, you've seen her have seizures. And are those hard to watch? Yeah. Oh, I just got the chills right away. I mean, totally can relate about that. Especially when my sister had her cleft lip and palate. And even when that got r- repaired, I mean, there were people that would point and stare. and It was so hard for me to know what to do. I almost just kind of froze in those situations. And now as an adult and having a daughter who also has medical equipment and things to point and stare at, the best thing I can say to anyone in that situation is they're people too and to say hi. And even now, if someone were to point or stare at my sister, I would just go up to them and be like, hi, this is Mallory. And I think trying to normalize what's going on and just remembering that all these people are are people with feelings and hearts and just the whole concept of staring and, and pointing is a tough one for sure.
5: Totally. I think something that a lot of kids listening to this right now, like, they deal with that a lot.
0: I think the hardest part is, like, whenever they're, like, in the hospital or, like, she's having a really big seizure and she's in the hospital, I think that will be some of the toughest times because you can feel stressed or anxious about it. The hardest
4: part about being Emily's sister is watching her struggle.
0: The hardest part about having a special needs sibling is seeing them go through pain. And the hardest part of being Emily's sister is that when she's at the
4: hospital, I worry about her a lot. And what I want other siblings to know is that it's perfectly okay to be afraid.
1: All right, what is your name?
4: Grayson.
1: What's your brother's name?
4: Jensen.
6: How old are you? Four. How old is brother? Two. What's the best part about having a brother like Jensen? Fun. He's fun. What's the hardest part?
4: Not going to the hospital.
6: What do you want other kids like you who have a brother or a sister that is like brother
2: to know? Hard. It's hard, but it's fun when they're home? Yeah. What do you want parents like me and mom to know?
4: To get brother back.
2: To get brother back from the hospital?
6: Yeah. Oh. Trying to hold in the tears. I I feel like these are so tender. so tender and so sweet and I just so my heart goes out to these siblings that are sharing their feelings and I think it's so important to acknowledge how hard it is yes there is fun and they're exactly right when your sibling is not in the hospital not in pain and not struggling it's really fun and there's so many fun parts of life but I'm proud of all those kids for saying that I think it's sometimes hard to admit that things are hard there's a lot of things going on when you're a kid and a lot of things going on when you're adult too and I think to really hone in on those feelings um, is, is really really important
5: I love how one of those little girls was like and it's okay for me to feel worried about her and I was like I really like that you can tell like that's one thing I loved listening to these audio recordings is like you can hear the things that their parents have been trying to instill in these kids I think that's one thing is like yeah it's okay it's okay to be worried about your sibling and I think you know that's also just a big theme that we can take away from this episode is like this is a family ordeal right like disability and medical complexity doesn't just affect the child and the parents like it's the other kids that are in the picture definitely they worry you know it's a huge part of their lives as well
6: absolutely and I was going to say the same thing I feel like shout out to the parents that are teaching these kids that yes it is hard and yes it is fun and all the things I think that These parents have a huge role in how they perceive what's hard and what is quote unquote normal in these situations. So there's such a fine line there, but I completely agree with what you said.
5: Okay, awesome. Well, moving on to the next section about the relationship. And at first, this section was called relationship barriers because that's kind of like the theme that was coming out. But then there were lots of messages too about like oh I'm so close to my sibling. The relationship can definitely be affected in a lot of ways. Yeah so here are their thoughts about this.
1: Who's her favorite person in the whole world? Me. You are her favorite person in the whole world. She's lucky to have a brother like you.
4: Even though it's different having a sibling with disabilities there are a lot of ways to have fun with them and connect with them.
0: Enjoy your time together. Respect them. Treat them as equals just because they can't do some of the stuff that we can do doesn't mean that they're not still a kid
1: what is the best part about being a sibling to Eli that he doesn't like talk that much like he can't tell your secrets he can't tell your secrets what's the hardest part it just feels like you're the only one like you're the only sibling hmm so you feel kind of lonely? Like, instead of being able to play with him, you would have to go find someone else, like um my friends, but they all moved out of the neighborhood, so I have no one to really play with. Yeah, that makes sense. What would you want other siblings of disabled people to know? That you can't make the disability just go away. Instead of making them adapt to you, you have to adapt to them, I guess. What is the hardest part of having a sibling with a disability?
4: I don't really get to play with her a lot because she
2: plays differently. Mm -hmm. Hi, my name is Ashley and I'm 37 years old. I have a brother Cole. He was born deaf and he is 35 years old. One of the best parts about having a brother with a disability is the bond that we have. He depended on me a lot growing up to interpret for him. So we went through many situations together and we still have a great bond. And the best part of being a
4: police sister is I get to love and cuddle with her and I get to prime her
5: feeding pump for her.
6: (laughs) Oh, I love all that.
5: All the feels. Yeah. I thought I was like, oh, this will be like good and then the bad, like, you know, the negative and the positive, like some that are like, oh, I can't play with her or I love playing with her in our our own way. Like as I was listening to it just now. I was like, I think it's actually just that like preaching to the choir here, but like you have to learn how to interact with them in the way that they can. And I think the ones that are saying like, I can't play with them and I feel lonely and stuff are as much as kids can feel, grieving that, like grieving what a relationship would look like with their sibling if they didn't have some of those barriers or differences, but then also like eventually figuring out like our way of communicating, right, of like this is our special way of playing or I prime her pump or we snuggle, like different ways to be close to them.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the kid that talked about adapting to their sibling's needs and rather than their family adjusting their life to, wait, i trying to remember what they said. Do you want me to find it? Because we can play yeah. it again. It was really good. You can't make the
1: disability just go away. Instead of making them adapt to
6: you, you have to adapt to them. Yeah, I really like that. And going off of that, I think one of the most important things that I've learned from my relationship with my sister is the love you give is like the love you get like she thrives on love and support and the best situations are when we are adapting to her for example last night we played board games and she didn't necessarily understand the board game and so we kind of took a twist on it and so she was like in the spotlight and we kind of made the game about her and she loved it her smile lit up and so there's ways to adapt. There's no instruction manual, like, you can use the board game example, there's no instruction manual on how to make their life the best that it can be. It's just, you know, really, really learning who they are and what they love. And then just providing those things to them. You can just see their their world light up. I think in the recordings to the kids that we're talking about, who's their favorite person, and I would guess a lot of them would probably say if you ask them that question too that their siblings are their favorite people and maybe in my head I know my sister definitely has like a, a love for everyone in my family but there's something so special about the sibling bond that she has with us and maybe it's because my parents took her to more of the medical things and the tougher things in life and siblings they're there to support you and love you no matter what and then also kind of be there for like the silly moments and more of the fun moments. Not to say my parents weren't, but there's just something extra special about laughing with your sibling and making their life fun when parts of it are really, really not fun.
5: Yeah, because like the sibling's not in charge of like giving them injections and taking them to the hospital and things that are more traumatic. You are there for more of like the a playmate or a friend role. Yeah. Any siblings that are listening right now, or even parents who have kids that don't get along super well, I think it's also like really great to like know that that's okay, right? Like to validate that feeling. Cause I think that's very valid to struggle with that and figure out like, how do we get closer? I'm sad it's not the way I pictured it being, but still really love that sibling and have a good relationship with them. I think, you know, the multitudes,
6: mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> anyone who's listened to like, episode 40 I did a long time ago about Wendy and Kimball my two kids their struggles really just Wendy's struggles with Kimball she really really didn't like him for a long time and so like I understand to you like from a parent perspective of feeling like oh my gosh I'm failing my child because they're not close what am I doing wrong I messed up like because that's all you want as a parent is for your kids to be like best friends and I don't know I guess just some solidarity there like if your kids are not the best of friends like there's only so much you can do like you can't control everything and some things are just the way they are and it's okay to be sad about
6: that. Absolutely and it depends too on the kids going through the whole grief cycle. I think it's probably I don't know a lot about you know what the psychology is of a child going through something super traumatic like that but yeah I I agree I think giving the parents and the siblings some grace that this stuff is hard and yeah not every sibling relationship or family is going to Look picture perfect. And so, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah.
5: And I think also that one kid that was saying, it kind of feels like I'm an only child. I was thinking about how that's another factor in all this, too, is like, do you just have the two where it's like the non disabled and the disabled? Because I think that can also affect the dynamics, right? Like, if they're like, I don't have anyone to talk to the way I want to talk to a sibling, you know, and I think that can kind of magnify those a little bit of resentment or sadness, you know?
6: Yeah, that's something that my husband and I have talked about when we discuss giving Emmy a sibling is I think we have opposite perspectives that if I had another child, I would still I feel like put so much of my attention and energy toward Emmy, my disabled daughter, if my other child was non-disabled. And maybe that's just because she is here now and that's who I give my undivided attention to. Well, my husband almost thought the opposite, like it would be so hard to balance that and having a child that was kind of your, you know, your typical child that you think in your head and what those experiences would be like with your kid. I know he had thought that like if we had a neurotypical child that he may gravitate more toward that because that would be more toward what he thought being a parent would be like. And he might have a different perspective now but it's just interesting to think about that i'm sure that's a whole different conversation too of just the the dynamic in the sibling relationship and the family like who gets more attention there's really no right answer and hard to really conceptualize it and know what to like say or think with those situations
5: yeah that is tricky I never thought of it that way before. What's well, a perfect lead-in to our next section about attention. That was a really big theme that came up. These sweet kids. This part kind of breaks my heart.
0: Number four, what do you want parents like yours to know? Kind of take your time. Make sure that you have time for each of your kids. Like, you have to make sacrifices. So sometimes I want to go over to a friend's house, right? But someone has to stay home and watch Charlotte and my brother. So we compromise. And so my mom takes me to my friend's house. And then my dad stays here and watches Charlotte and my brother.
5: Okay, actually, I'm going to pause it right there. I think this was an interesting one because, like, at face value, it's like, oh, yeah, how sweet. But I think that right there is also, like, showing the intention of the parents of, like, the sibling needs extra care and stuff and I'm going to like intentionally be the one that takes the hit I guess for this to make sure that this other child can go play with their friends if that makes sense right like because I think like we see the repercussions of like the medical issues and things like that that like the other kids the ways that they're affected by the medical issues going on with their sibling and so I think like it's a natural tendency to be like oh I want to protect the other kids as much as I can from like you know having extra burden on them but at the same time it's also natural to be like hey can you help out some more because there are extra needs like I need more help with this child and so I think that can go both ways
6: yeah definitely in my family I feel like my mom often got the brunt of like for lack of a better way to say it like just kind of sticking back with my sister Mallory and I feel like my dad kind of would he like coached my sister and i in sports and he was very involved in a lot of our like our extracurricular activities and so i know there were some family dynamic challenges just with like what parent is going to be with mallory if she cannot do something and i feel like it's taken a really long time to kind of like knock those roles feel like it was just kind of an innate thing and I feel like many people in this community can probably relate to that the mom Mm -hmm. taking the brunt of that that was definitely evident and I remember seeing that and it definitely affected our family dynamic so it's it's a moving target I think and I think it is important to make time for both but there's so much going on in life that sometimes it's hard with all the medical things going on and having other kids I really can't imagine like thinking back I don't know how my parents did that like how did you find energy and time to like still make my sister's life super fun despite so many challenges and hospitalizations and surgeries it's like kudos to any parent that is dealing with that because it would take a lot a lot of energy I -hmm. I can't imagine
5: it's like such high level thinking too of like considering the needs of the other kids like in our situation when Kimball was really little and we were just trying to figure everything out like I was in such survival mode that I was like I don't have the bandwidth to even like like I recognize that Wendy's really struggling like I have nothing to give her like it's all I can do to like keep Kimball alive and keep putting one foot in front of the other and so I think everyone's at different stages so if someone's listening right now and you're in that survival mode I think it'd be like oh my gosh like I can't like this is really overwhelming to hear all these kids talk about their needs and like resentment and like we've got to balance it and stuff but like there are also the parents that are finding their feet a little bit easier and like okay I can kind of like take a breath and like evaluate the needs of all the family members not just this one person I have to like keep alive by necessity
2: mm-hmm. let's keep listening I just had to talk about that first one absolutely Also, to let parents know to schedule that one-on-one time with your non-disabled child so then they can have your full attention. I also find if I include my non-disabled child in our hospital doctor visits, he feels included and he also knows what's happening. Some of the things might scare him, but I find that when he knows what's happening and he feels involved, it's better. I want my parents to know that I love them and that they did their best They always told me that they thought I was okay, so they didn't worry that much about me, but I actually had a lot of trauma that I had to deal with when I got into my 20s. And now, myself, having a child with a disability, I do make it my goal of making sure that both my boys have access to counseling and support groups to make them feel like they can talk about all the feelings that they do have. And that's it. Thank you. The hardest part was
4: probably when he was younger is when, since, like, he... We did so much, I felt kind of unwanted. That was probably the hardest part, but now it seems just like fun. If you're a parent, I think it's a good idea to take in consideration to care for the disability kid almost just as much, just the disability kid a little more. The hardest part is y'all getting all of him getting all the attention because he's sick. What would you want
2: other siblings of like disabled people to know?
4: I would want you to know like that they're going to get a lot of attention from their parents. You're not really going to get that much. You're going to get some. But they're gonna get a lot of the attention because they're sick, and the parents have to focus on them a lot. All
2: right, and then last question: What would you want your parents
4: to know? Like, what would you want me and Daddy to know? I would say, like, I would want y'all to feel like how hard it is to not have all that attention all the time.
2: Like to that, it's hard for you because Pen gets more attention than you. Yes,
1: exactly. What do you want parents of disabled people to know?
4: To pay the same attention to other siblings and the same attention to disabled
3: siblings. Mm-hmm. So to pay each kid the same amount of attention. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She could say,
5: my sister's name is Lennon and she's two years old.
1: My Lenn- my cousin's t- name is 32 yeah, year old. Perfect. What is the best part of being Lennon's brother?
5: I don't want to talk anymore. Okay. Okay, I need to explain that last one. So I got a message from his mom, and she was like, yeah, we started doing the recording, and then when we started talking about his sister, he was, like, so done because he gets really like jealous of all the attention and time that his sister gets. So I like I want to include that. Like that is his way, right? He's like so young, but that was his way of expressing like, I'm so over that. I'm so over how much detention she gets, like with that question, you know, leading out that way.
6: Yeah. And I feel like that's a completely normal response is just kind of shutting down. I'm interested just to talk about like why in my head do I think that one child is supposed to get more attention than the other. Or like if that's just kind of the standard is that it's like almost like a competition and you know I know there are many barriers to not giving your children the full attention especially when there's medical complexities involved but I'm curious just is that a possibility in parents heads like is there that level playing field or is it seemingly impossible to to do that like what is your perspective as a parent with two kids I think like kind of going back to what I said previously
5: as far as like my mental health was like a huge player in that. When I was in such survival mode, I felt like I literally was like not capable of giving her what she needed at that time. And I think that's a time where grandparents and aunt and uncle and best friends can step in and really support that other child, right? Like help them through it. Because I think that's usually through like a really difficult thing anyway. Like that's probably going to be during a really scary hospitalization or when they first got the diagnosis or a really difficult part of that story. And so I think like trying to bring in some support can be really helpful to be like, hey, can you go take Wendy like one on one time and like treat her and stuff. But I think it's just tricky because it's like the person they want when they're struggling is their parents. It was really eye opening to me. It was like two years ago, an episode we did with another adult sibling. Um and she also has a disabled daughter. Her name's Catherine Acton. I think it was episode 51. And she was talking about how like she felt very neglected by her parents and like they didn't really see her needs as important because her brothers trumped hers. And so she was talking about how, like, I wish that my parents would have seen my needs as just as important as his needs. And I think that was really eye opening to me because of before I was like, well, like Kimball could die or like, you know, this is life threatening and stuff. But hearing her talk about like how she wishes that her needs were just as important was really like, whoa, that's a big statement. And I, from that point, tried to shift in how I was treating like Wendy and trying to like intentionally give her more attention. And I think that really helped. I think it's like something you have to consciously do because it's very easy to be like, oh, like this other child has like such pressing needs that like, it's almost easier to like throw all of your time and attention into the the disabled child's needs. But I mean, it's just, it's a really tricky thing. And it's something Wendy's really sensitive to, and she still will bring up. And I'm like, I don't think he gets more attention than her, but like he kind of does, I guess, like from like strangers and stuff like, oh, he's so tiny and cute. And like, what's his syndrome called again? And like, I don't know, like they just get so much attention across the board. You have to share the limelight a little bit.
6: Yeah, definitely. And my siblings and I were fortunate to have my both sets of grandparents that were in town and very involved and supportive. And I know not everyone has family in town or those social supports. But I remember when Mallory was having big surgeries, my grandparents would always try to make our time fun. We didn't sit and, you know, necessarily talk or dwell on what was happening. And we were really young at the time, but I remember my grandma getting out her camcorder and like recording us making videos for Mallory of like, we had like hats on and we were like singing like silly hat, the silly hat song she made up. And like, So like there were ways that we were like supporting Mallory and showing us that we can be creative and still like supporting her from afar just because we were so young. And so I really appreciated like the way that my grandparents or any social support kind of honed into the, the developmental stage that my sister and I were in to kind of help us get through this and not talk so much about like what was really going on. And so I feel like we got to, tension in that way which kind of helped us cope through those really challenging times Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer in like laughter is the best medicine and there's so many different ways to have fun and kind of be creative and just find ways just to
5: lighten it up (laughs) yeah lighten it up yep feel happy and And laugh a little bit yeah it's interesting because one of the kids was saying like remember they're a kid too and it goes too for like young siblings is like their kids right and this is like really intense heavy stuff that's happening in their family systems and so I think like lighting it up is a really good idea and I don't know I I think like one of the trickiest parts of this too is like I think there's some level that's kind of inevitable where it's like the family does kind of have to center around the person that needs all these accommodations right you can't just be like oh sorry like we can't go to the hospital I know you're so sick but like our life revolves around you too much like you have to go and so I think I could see that being really tricky, like being a sibling and be like, oh, like we're with grandma and stuff. It doesn't sound like you felt this way, but just kind of like, oh, and here's a video for my sister. My sister's getting all this attention and like we have to make the board game revolve around her. And like, I don't know, just like these different accommodations that are like probably the only way to really have a relationship with that person. Right. You have to make these accommodations and like adapt what you're doing. But I could see that being also like a source of kind of like resentment and be like, oh, everything revolves around them. Every little thing we do is like allowing them to participate, which they deserve 100%. But I think that can also be just kind of
6: hard. Oh, yeah, for sure. I remember that being especially just like you said, the attention from your parents. I remember my parents leaving and it's like, oh, again. But luckily, my grandparents, they always tried to make it fun. So it wasn't like, oh, it's it's a dreadful thing. But yeah, totally. And Mallory had 24-hour nursing for many years, too. So I think as a sibling too, that's a different dynamic. Having nurses in your house, her crib was in our living room, her feeding pump was everywhere, trach changes. Like I was like sitting on the blanket helping with like trach tie changes and G tube changes, and that's a whole different ball game of you just kind of get immersed into it. But it's really just not fair for anyone involved the sibling you know the child the parents it's just like this is not what I thought but I did feel more included even though it was so centered around her I think that's kind of why I went into healthcare and nursing is like I liked to be involved in those things Mm -hmm. and being included it just kind of gave me like a sense of like control of an uncontrollable situation being able to yeah. like understand it and learn it. And I remember in like fourth or fifth grade, I did like an entire presentation on my sister's syndrome just cause I so badly wanted to know about it and teach people about it. Mm-hmm. But I can see that, you know, completely going the other way too of just like in denial and then staying in that denial stage of this isn't fair, they're getting any attention. there's some anger. I mean, so many feelings and ways to go about it. I feel fortunate that I had a relatively positive experience. I think having my daughter with medical complexities was so much more emotionally taxing than being a sibling. But I think that's just my age and maybe my role in both of those. But I don't remember many days like laying in bed or sitting in the corner just bawling my eyes out with Mallory. But I think just as the sibling role, it's like that's kind of what mom and dad have to do. And they're the ones that are taking that versus like a parent. I had many of those days.
5: Yeah. I think that totally makes sense. One more thing. And then we'll jump into the next section. But I also loved that, like how you talked about like helping your mom with like the different care tasks and how like, yeah, sure. Like it was like centered around your sister, but you felt included. And I think that like, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, our kids need the care, right? Like they need these things to happen again. We can't ignore those things. We're like, sorry, you're getting too much attention. But I think like including the other kids in that can really mitigate that. Like instead of like, oh, mom's busy again, taking care of my sibling again. Her back's turns toward me. You know, I'm going to go do my own thing. But like doing that thing together, I can see that being really like fun and like just feeling really included. Like we're part of a team instead of like, oh, I'm on the outside looking in.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: So in this next section is all about like things that the siblings have learned or like the new perspectives they've gained because of having a sibling with a disability. And some of these are going to be in the form of like what they want others to know. And I just think they show how mature these kids are and like things that their parents have obviously taught them. So keep those things in mind too, as we're listening to these.
1: What do you want parents to know?
5: That no matter how much you feel
1: like you want to give up that everybody is worth it and that just because something is hard doesn't mean you have to give up on it. My favorite part about having a little sister who is deaf
4: is I get to learn all these new signs that are really cool and I can sign to other people in a new language that is really cool
3: that like doesn't include talking but like hand motions. The best part about having a family member with a disability is that you learn so much the more and more that you continue to grow with the sibling. The hardest part is the focus span and how other people think of people with disabilities, like the name-calling, the underestimates of their abilities, and what I want other siblings of disabled people to know is that lots and lots of practice and growing with the sibling will get you a long way, and It'll make you learn more and more things to communicate slash interact with others with the same or different disability. And
4: oh like, they're not being good listeners, don't yell at them. Just use sign language to tell them to stop, and then they'll basically stop.
1: And what's advice that you have for parents, like me and dad?
4: Mm, Parents, every parent, I think this is super good. Uh, If they need, like, extra help, get them the stuff they need for their extra help, basically.
1: That's great advice. Thank you. I love you. But no matter what anybody looks like, you should still love them, because no matter what they look like, they have a beautiful heart inside. What do you want parents like yours to know? That no matter how hard it is, you should never give up and keep on trying because one day you'll be super happy that you've worked so hard and that your child succeeded and was really nice and got better.
4: Even what she looks like, it doesn't matter what she looks like, how small she is, how she has three Fingers on one side. Mm -hmm. It's about how
1: they
3: act. What else is cool about having a sibling with a disability?
4: And you get to learn what their brains are Mm -hmm. like. And how they work? And how they work. That's cool. What would you tell them? Don't think that it's like weird to have a sister or brother with a disability.
3: Mm -hmm. Because what is it?
4: It's really cool. It's like. One out of a thousand. Mm -hmm.
3: Ten thousand, I mean. hers, Yeah, hers is Williams Syndrome, so it's one out of ten thousand, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. The best part about having a special needs sibling is having a different perspective than most other kids. This different perspective gives you empathy and it makes you kind and caring, which are amazing personality traits to have.
5: I just loved, like, hearing these, and I love, you can tell that there are things that these parents are teaching these kids both by, like, word and by action right like I think like all the like don't give up like they're watching their parents right like it's so hard but like they've seen their parents push through and like keep on keeping on and I think that's really like taught these kids like perseverance and like endurance and like it's just really incredible I think to hear all these different little nuggets of wisdom that are far beyond their years
6: yes that's exactly what I was going to say they're wise beyond their years they have such an amazing perspective and I don't think I could say it better myself. Just they nailed it. Yeah. And like any kids that are listening right now, like
5: siblings, like you guys are so awesome. Yes. And parents, good job. (laughs) Yes. And I'll (laughs) say too, like these are sections of audio submissions of like, these same kids saying like oh it's hard because of this and it's hard because they're right like these are not just like wow look at these really wise kids and they never struggle and nothing's ever hard like these are the same kids that say that like it is really hard and there are really difficult things about it and good things about it and here and here's the wisdom
6: that they've gained through the good and the hard and everything yeah and I think a theme is just like hope and then never giving up they're acknowledging these struggles but just things are hard and never give up and that, yeah. that just shows the strength of the parents instilling that in their kids. It takes a lot of strength to be a parent of these kiddos and a sibling of these kiddos. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's great on the parents and, and very good advice, kids.
5: <laughs> yeah. And like creating these kids that will grow into adults that are more inclusive and more educated about disability and like are far more prepared to have a child like this than I was. Yeah, I know it's hard to like know what it would have been like, but I'm sure you were better equipped to have Emmy because of your experiences with your sister. So I think that's really cool.
6: Yeah, I actually said for a while that I don't even know if I said it to anyone out loud, but I always thought that I would either foster to adopt or adopt a child that had medical complexities. So I just feel like it wasn't just fate that brought Emmy in my life. Like I feel like Mallory's experiences made me a better person, taught me so much about how to treat others. I feel like I was like meant to like do this. And so without my sister Mallory, I truly don't know what kind of parent I would be. And I feel like Emmy's here for a reason. And I feel like they kind of complement each other. It's just a crazy full circle moment that I experience every day.
5: Yeah, I love that. When I think like all these things too that these kids were saying, as well as just things like, oh, I learned a sign language and it's really cool. Like just all the different things that they've learned through this spoken and unspoken right kids who are just listening but like those are things that like as parents we also are learning through having a child with a disability and so I think it's really cool to be like we're all struggling this is really hard and we're all becoming better people because of it and having different perspectives and like our eyes are opened in a different way and so I think that's really cool to picture that like happening alongside our children right like we're grieving and we're sad and we're struggling together and we're having a great time together and we're like gaining this wisdom you can't really get any other way so I think that's really cool and you became like a nurse because of it so I think that's also cool to think of like how these experiences will impact these kids for the rest of their lives for better for worse but like you know and that way that's really cool like to impact your career path and your life mission and stuff so
6: yeah and even to be a friend to anyone no matter what their differences are disability or not I think having a sibling with a disability makes you just kind of accept everyone, include everybody, you know, just these basic acts of kindness can go a long way. And I think all of these siblings and these children are learning that, which will, it really will make an impact on their lives.
5: Yeah. You know, it's interesting as you're saying that, like Wendy, so she obviously, as I mentioned, struggled really bad. She was having a really hard time like I was. (laughs) We were struggling (laughs) together when Kimball was younger but then now like we've all found our feet and things have gotten easier and stuff and her teacher was telling me like oh she's friends with everyone like I know if someone needs a friend like Wendy will be friends with them like it doesn't matter who they are what they're doing she's so open to being anyone's friend and I was like wow she's so sweet but just now I'm like I wonder if that really does have like a lot to do with not just being exposed to Kimball but like other kids with disabilities right because you rub shoulders with these communities like we're going to the dwarfism Christmas party with all these adults there and kids there with dwarfism and we're going to the deaf and hard of hearing groups and like we're going to all these different groups of people that are disabled that are there and all the siblings that are there and the parents and stuff and I think that exposure to disability is really that right there I think is a huge life lesson of like loving others including all their differences yeah it's kind of a cool aha moment <laughs> yeah definitely so our last section is just miscellaneous advice from the advice section of these different kids' submissions.
6: What would you like other
1: siblings of disabled people to know? That other people
7: are going through the same thing and they're not alone in the world. And my family and personally a lot of me knows that because I've gone through it since she was born because I was the a- The oldest sibling in my family and just seeing her grow up into someone that I didn't know was really hard. So I know how you would feel if you're the oldest, especially if you're also the youngest. So I just want you to know that you're not alone. That's beautiful. And what do you want parents like
4: yours to know?
7: That when you see your kid in hard times, just look at them and look them in the eyes and see how they're feeling today and see how the expression is, and just try and think about how they would be feeling and maybe think if they're struggling and give them this a couple of minutes to chat with you and tell you their worries. And that will make them feel better because I know how that feels. And it makes me feel really good just having a minute with my mom or my dad to just talk things out and tell them what I've been struggling about. So that's just the best thing that you can do if you see your kid struggling because your kid's been like sad and, it, or, she or he looks depressed and scared and she or he has anxiety and it's tired and they've got a very upset look on their face just know that they probably are feeling anxious or scared or they've got anxiety because they know that or they think that they're not in the safe place or that they're Can't express a feeling because they're not there with someone because they feel like they're alone. Cause it's always been hard for me with having a sister that I always, when I was little, I had a sister could always
4: go to, and
1: it wasn't
7: easy for me. But if you just have a kid that looks just sad or. Scared, just go over to them and ask them, Do you need a sec to just talk with me? and that's it. And your child will just know that they're not alone and that you can be with them.
4: What I want other siblings of disabled children to know is that number one, they are not alone, and number two, having a sibling that's disabled, it can be pretty hard,
0: but it's also really special. I want other siblings to know that you can take every day step by step. Making to-do lists really helped me organize my life. Find some coping strategies to help you guide through tough times, like listening to music or exercising. I want parents to know that your non-special needs child or children go through just about the same amount of grief and stress that you're going through. While it may be hard to believe, your non-special needs child loves your special needs child just as much as you. What I want parents of disabled children to know is that it
4: is perfectly okay to ask for help. And what I want parents like Mommy to know is it's okay to make a wrong
2: move. I want other parents to know that the siblings might need some counseling, as they might not understand the feelings that they have, And just like we might need a community, our children need a community as well. So I have a soda group. Soda means a sibling of a deaf adult. We grew up together and now we chat on Zoom and we call each other once a month to kind of just keep in touch.
5: So I love that last one from the adult Ashley, where she's treating both her kids like they're both being affected by the disabilities and medical complexities. Because that's the reality, right? Like Both kids are impacted, and so putting them both into therapy if they need it and getting them both their communities and, like, friends who understand their various relation to the disability, and I think that's so smart, and I think that's something I would not necessarily think about without hearing from various siblings like yourself.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And going on the getting additional help, I remember when Emmy was born, my daughter I had sought out some counseling and did extensive therapy afterwards. And throughout my sessions, I remember talking about my sister's experience and how it related. And I remember my dad who very much validated me going to therapy and how he said he wished going back. He did the same when he was kind of Mm -hmm. going through stuff as a parent. And so him kind of being like, almost like a tough love sort of dad. Like there are ways that you can cope with this. Not necessarily like his first option would be therapy, but I, I thought that was really validating to hear someone like that. It really opened my eyes to how hard that experience is. So I think me having it in my adult years was wonderful. And I feel like it almost kind of closed some chapters that I was feeling just a little a little lost and confused. And I, I wish I would have been able to maybe have that when I was younger so I really like that she said that and that she's doing that for her kids I think there's so many great resources out there for kids and parents and it's okay to not be okay this stuff is super hard no matter what role you're in and I think whatever help you need I think go for it
5: yeah I think that's so great I think that's a great note to end on like to acknowledge those things and I think that's so great. To also point out that like how validating it was for your dad to be like, yeah, that's a great idea to go to therapy. I think that there is a lot of power that we have as parents to just ask our children and offer that support to them because it while you're doing that, you're acknowledging the fact that you know that they're struggling, right? I think that can feel really good to be like, oh, I'm so seen right now. My parents can see that I'm having a hard time with this or they can see why I would be having a hard time with this. And so I do think that's really awesome. Thank you so much, Megan, and thank you to everyone who participated or encouraged your kids to participate in this episode. I hope that all the siblings listening today feel seen and loved and cared for and that parents listening can have at least one takeaway of like, okay, this is something I can keep in mind while doing my best to raise our children and give them the love and support that they need.
6: For sure. Thank you for putting together all the recordings. I think it was so valuable to have the kids' perspectives and their voices and their feelings come out. Thank you. To find adorable photos of Megan
5: and her sister, as well as photos of Megan with her own family, check out therarelife.org. Also, while you are there, be sure to check out therarelife.org backslash fundraiser to learn everything you need to know to corral some last minute donations for our fundraiser that ends today. We appreciate all the love and support that has been thrown our way. In the show notes, there are links to other sibling related episodes, including episode 99, all about family planning and deciding if slash when and how to expand our families. Also in the show notes are listed out the questions that we asked each of these participants today to respond to in case you want to do the same thing with your own child in a more private way. And I will also read those out just so you have them. Number one, what is your favorite thing about having a disabled sibling? Number two, what is the hardest thing? Number three, what would you like other siblings to know? And number four, what would you like your parents to know. I kind of changed that one so it's a little more applicable. So you can modify those however you want, and they can just be a good little combo starter if you want to have that conversation. Another huge thank you to everyone who participated in this episode, as well as Alyssa Newtile, my faithful editor, who worked tirelessly to piece all the things together to make this episode a great one. Join us next week for an episode all about making friends with other disability parents. So many of you have messaged me asking for tips on making friends in this community, and this episode is the big response. Moms Carrie Harbath and Kate Livingstone, who are real-life disability mom friends, join me as we give you all of our best tips and tricks on making it happen. Everyone needs to hear this one. Do not miss it. See you then.